This episode of Rule Breaker Investing is supported by Wonder Capital, an investing service that allows individuals to invest in solar projects across the U.S. Earn up to 11% annually while diversifying your portfolio, curbing pollution, and combating global climate change. Create an account for free at wondercapital.com fool. Wonder Capital. Do well and do good. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. Welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. It is the final Wednesday of the month of June, and therefore it is time for our June 2016 mailbag. And as usual, I have a wonderful Motley collection of emails and tweets to react to. Um, I Since this is the summer... And technically, I'm away at the time this is broadcast. I'm on summer break. This will be a little bit quicker, a little bit easier, a little bit less work on my part, since it is, after all, uh, the end of June, not, I don't know, when I'm really productive, maybe the end of September. So, if you think I'm blowing it off a little bit this week by reading more of your stuff rather than reacting to it myself, you might be right. But I'm really looking forward to sharing some foolishness that's come through uh, the internet to us this week through your wonderful tweets and emails. And before I started off this month, let me mention when I have more things to select from than I can choose, some of the factors that cause me to select this one, not that one, for mailbag. One of them is when you're reacting to something we've done that month. And that's my first few here, this particular mailbag. You sent me a couple of Buffett quotes that you like. You also included a quote reacting to my campfire stories, one of my campfire stories earlier this month. So, yes, I'm a little bit of a sucker for tweets reacting to what we did that particular month for mailbag. Therefore, let's start off with Troy Springer. And Troy, at tsprings11 on Twitter, a friend of mine, Troy, I got to know you, as you'll well remember, at the University of Richmond, where I spoke this Spring and you were a very wonderful host to me and uh, and I hope you're having a great summer and Troy your Buffett quote um, I thought was great now, I don't know if it's verbatim and before I read this one and the few that'll follow let me say I have not double checked that Buffett actually said this but if you heard my Buffett great quotes podcast you'll know that it's almost kind of funny that's almost in the spirit of what we're doing it almost doesn't matter whether Buffett said this or not it's just so Buffett and so worth listening to so Troy. Your favorite Buffett quote for for the week, Wall Street is the only place where people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who rode the subway. And that's that's pretty funny, and I like it. And Ahmed Alawami, and on Twitter, Ahmed is, in fact, Ahmed underscore Awami. Ahmed, you sent your Buffett quote, quote, diversification is a protection against ignorance, it makes very little sense for those who know what they're doing. Provocative as many Buffett quotes are. And in particular, thinking about those two quotes, the first one I think we can all chuckle at a little bit. The second one, um, really, I can, I can come down on both sides of this one, and I, I hope you can too. I hope you can see both sides of either being highly diversified or less diversified. For many beginning investors, often when people show up at Fool.com for the first time, maybe they join Motley Fool Stock Advisor, they often don't have many stocks at all. So, our goal for our newer members is to get them invested and diversified. Our horror stories are to think that somebody joins Motley Fool Stock Advisor, buys one of the stocks, it doesn't work out for him or her, they judge our service based on that bad pick that I might have made, and they're like, not only am I going to cancel Stock Advisor, but I don't even think stock market investing is for me. So, the horror story is that it's 
a sample size of one that somebody gave him or herself as a way to judge whether or not we are worthy or investing period is worthwhile. So really getting investors from zero to 15 as quickly as possible is what we're trying to do at Motley Fool Stock Advisor. Now, for some people, 15 sounds like a lot, especially if you're starting at zero. But for others, 15 might not sound that diversified. Are you really going to pin your financial fortunes to 15 different companies? Why not 25 or 50? And so everybody has kind of different minds about this. The Buffett quote that Ahmed is sharing with us reminds us that for experienced investors, I would say people who do know what they're doing. And I think we have a lot of fools who are that way. And certainly Warren Buffett is one such, if I may say so, fool who who thinks that way. Uh, it it's it's a protection against ignorance. Buffett says you should be more focused. You shouldn't have so many different stocks. After all, Buffett's asking, in effect, are you just buying a lot of stuff because you don't really know which ones are going to work out and what you should even own? So, we'll leave that question rhetorical. And our third quote, and the last of the quotes we'll be doing this June's mailbag, was from Kurt Elia, at Kurt Elia on Twitter. Kurt, you were reacting to one of the campfire stories that I told in the middle of this month, and uh, talking about the lessons for those who listened, will remember the lessons of the red six of spades, and also the five monkeys story. So, Kurt, reflecting on both of those, you included this greatest quote um, from, in fact, at greatest quotes is the Twitter handle. I don't follow at greatest quotes. Perhaps I should. This one comes from P. B. Madawar, and he he said apparently, I'm quoting, quote, the human mind treats a new idea the same way the body treats a strange protein. It rejects it. And I do think that it is fairly natural for us with our immune systems to reject foreign bodies. And it's not just true, as you're pointing out, Kurt, as P.B. Madawa is pointing out, not just true of physical substances. Often it is those mental substances that try to enter our minds some new disruptive thought and what I've learned to do as an investor is realize that that's just how my mind works and how yours works, and it's really based on our biology, uh, maybe our evolved biology. But that first reaction doesn't need to be your eventual conclusion. At least I, anyway, can look back on my life as not just an investor, but a person and say, you know, that seemed crazy at the time, but then it started to work its way in on me. And I started to realize that is the way of things. And if you do have that ability, when you can do that, it doesn't always work, but you'll have some of your best investments. Certainly for me, Netflix is a good example of a company. I thought it was crazy the first time I heard that Netflix back in the day, this is circa 2004, that you would, instead of renting a video right from your nearby Blockbuster, that you would actually send off through the mail and have to wait for a movie three days before you could watch it, that you would have this thing called a queue. It sounded preposterous to me at the time, and it ended up being a pretty smart idea, and I'm glad that I figured that out in time. So I think that's a really good reflection on the human mind, and we should all remember that about ourselves and just recognize that sometimes, while that might be your first thought, it does not need to be your final thought. And especially if you want to be a rule breaker investor, you need to be very used to things disrupting not just what you thought before, but also what's been happening in the world, disrupting that, changing it. Of course, if it works out, changing it for the better, which is what leads to great stocks. This episode of Rule Breaker Investing is brought to you by Wonder Capital. Wonder Capital is a Techstars-backed company with headquarters in Boulder, Colorado. Wonder Capital allows investors to invest in solar projects across the country via their crowd investing platform. 
Your investment goes directly to helping U.S. businesses install solar PV photovoltaic panels. As they repay their loans to Wonder, you receive monthly cash flows in the form of interest payments. Learn how you can begin earning up to 11% returns at wondercapital.com fool. Wonder Capital. Do well and do good. Next one up this month is Teddy Being Teddy. That's at Teddy Being Teddy on Twitter. And Teddy, you said, you asked, what kind of person would you recommend only invest in the S&P? And conversely, who should be a stock picker? That's a fun question. I, I like those kinds of provocative questions. By the way, I can't think of Teddy, not think of Teddy Roosevelt, uh, whose who's, uh, biographies I've read a couple of them in the last year and really enjoyed, really appreciate Teddy Roosevelt and the character of the man and looking for, for character in our leaders, something that I think is so important for me as an investor. I know for those of us in the United States of America, we, we probably want that of our presidential candidates. Um, maybe it's not as much in evidence uh, these days. I'm not trying to be too nostalgic, as it was clearly in evidence in some of our presidents of the past. But that's not an American comment. That's a anywheresville comment. Don't you want to be able to look at the character of the people that you are following or that are your leaders? And be deeply admirable of that. I'll say anyway, Teddy Roosevelt would have been that for me had I been alive about a century ago. But speaking of Teddy being Teddy, you were asking again, Teddy, uh, what kind of person should maybe just invest in index funds versus pick stocks? So, two quick factors. The first is um, how much interest does somebody have in this topic? I think most people who just aren't that interested aren't listening to our podcast, don't tune in every week to this or any other Motley Fool podcast. Those people, those yeah, I think I'll say it's slightly less cool people. Those people who don't really care, obviously, I think factor number one, they should be investing in index funds. Even getting some of them to understand what an index fund is uh, is sometimes hard. Not everybody has an interest at all in this subject. But those who have uh, just a forced interest or are compelled to fill out something on their 401k plan, I think index funds are a great answer for them. A lot of times they're not picking index funds. They're picking managed funds. They're picking sometimes less efficient, more expensive funds with not as good performance. That's why The Motley Fool, for 20 plus years now, has been a champion for Vanguard. It's been an unpaid relationship, I think, pretty much all the way through. We're also big Jack Bogle fans. He's become a friend of my brother's and mine. Um, but we're big fans of Vanguard because they keep it cheap. And when you buy an index fund from Vanguard, very low turnover, very low cost, very customer-centric company. We like that a lot. It's a rare bird in financial services that operates that way. So I think that's an answer for most people, even those who come to Fool.com. I think it's an answer for most people if they just don't have that much factor one, that much interest. Factor number two, I'm going to say, is the other obvious one. It's your time. It's how much time you have or that you want to commit to the subject of investing. Again, for those who are very time-starved or don't want to spend time on this, because in the end, we all choose how we spend our time. We're not creatures of our own busyness. We choose what we want to be busy with. So, if you don't want to spend time this way, then again, I think index funds are great. Let me close by going and looking at the opposite. I think I've spoke to those who don't have either one of those two things, but now let me speak to those who have both of those things. So, if you do have an interest and darn it, you're listening to me right now, so I think you do. And if you do want to make time for this, I think you should be picking stocks. Does everybody who can check both of those boxes, is every one of them going to be a stock picker or a good stock picker? Probably not. Um, I'll say this, I think everybody should try. I've said 20 plus years now, whenever I put on my full cap and speak to audiences, I think everyone, usually it's been in America, so everyone in America 
should own one stock, I think. But I'll say globally, because I know I have a lot of non-American listeners. I'm proud of that. We're proud of that, The Fool. We have a lot of fools around the globe listening to our five Motley Fool podcasts. I think every one of us should own one stock. Even if it's just a tiny percentage of what you have, it's just a way to dip your toe in and see that there's something beyond index funds. And if you find that you picked a good stock, you might start getting a sense that maybe you could beat your index funds, which is our goal for almost anybody who comes to The Motley Fool, whether they want to use um, one of our passive services or some of our more active solutions that we have at The Fool. So, um, maybe I've gone on too long on this one, Teddy, but I hope that's pretty clear. I think the majority of the world should just be in index funds. Um, I think a significant part of the world should be stock pickers, far more than are today, just because I don't think people have awakened to this. But I think everybody, if they have capital, should own at least one stock, just partly to have fun and partly to measure their funds against their own stock picking. Thanks for a good question. All right, number five this month. Number five comes from Jake for Sluice, and that's at RockerV on Twitter. Jake, you said it hit me hard today, in a good way that we'd all have more money if we bought into good companies and never sold our positions. It hit you hard on a recent day that we would all have more money if we bought into good companies and never sold our positions. I agree with you, Jake. I'm glad that hit you. I wish it hit everybody. Now, it's not going to be true of everybody. Sometimes, what you think is a good company wasn't a good company. If you just hold that forever, you'll underperform the market dramatically as the market keeps rising and your poor choice, if you made one, doesn't. But when we're talking about not just a single stock, but a portfolio or a philosophy of investing, which is what I'm here to propound every week to as many people as will listen, yes, I do think we would all have more money if we traded less. You may remember or hear me having said in the past, Jake, I said it this month on this podcast, that our Motley Fool Stock Advisor scorecard would be even better than it is today. A strong market beater. I'm very proud of the work I've done for, my golly, 14 years now in Motley Fool Stock Advisor beating the market. I would be higher had I not sold a single position, picking one stock a month, every single month, for 14 years. I would be higher today had I not ever said sell. We'd have some horrendous dogs. We'd have companies that just are not are, are, are well down and never going to catch back up to the market and I'd still be holding it following this approach but some of the ones that we've sold from electronic arts to ARM holdings there are a number biogen idec a number of these that have gone on to multiply and when you don't hold on to stocks that go up five six seven eight times in value um, Turns out it's going to look better at the end of the day if you had hold, held on to such companies than if you'd not. I do want to mention, I was doing a little research this week. I was inspired by the Motley Fool Market Foolery podcast I heard last week that was looking at LinkedIn's list, if you saw this list, of the 40 most attractive employers in America, according to LinkedIn. It was calling it the attractors, the top attractors list. And what I saw there was uh, pretty stark. Uh, so the top ten employers. Speaking of, by the way, investing in good companies, Jake. Your 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 point here. Of the top ten companies, I'm gonna gonna list them off real fast. Google, Salesforce. This is in order. So number one, Alphabet. Number two, Salesforce. Number three, Facebook. Then Apple. Then Amazon rounds out the top five. Then Uber is number six. Seven is Microsoft. Eight, Tesla. Nine, Twitter. Ten, Airbnb. 
I'll mention, by the way, Netflix was number 11. Now, the reason I think this is kind of fun, and why I particularly think this is fun, is because I have owned a lot and recommended all of those stocks, most cases for years, really quickly. Google 2008 was our first pick, Salesforce 2009, Facebook 2012, Apple 2008, Amazon 2002, couldn't recommend Uber, couldn't recommend Airbnb, have never recommended Microsoft. The other two in the top 10, Tesla 2011, Twitter 2013. So, yes, if you're a Rule Breakers member, if you're a Stock Advisor member, if you're a long-term member, I bet you own at least one of these companies. And I'm pretty proud to say that for our scorecards, and you can just look right down the Supernova Universe page if you're a Supernova member and see, we've had all these stocks just about, and we've had them for years. And um, to close out this answer, uh, let's see briefly how they've done. So Google is up 158% for us. Salesforce is up 1,088% for us. Facebook is up 289% for us. Apple is up 353% for us. Amazon is up 4,569% for us. Never did recommend Microsoft. Tesla is up 604% for us. And Twitter, the odd duck here, is down 70% for us. It's the most recent pick on this list of all the companies. We've had it for only about three years, and it has been a very poor-performing investment. But to go back to your question, Jake, or your point, or what hit you over the head, yeah, it should hit us all hard that we'd all have more money if we bought into good companies and never sold our positions. And to close it out on this answer, um, sometimes I think about The Motley Fool and what our company and our membership, our community is doing in the world. I think we're causing people to allocate capital more intelligently. I think we're causing good capital to find its way to good companies. And there's a really nice, almost global effect that's happening there as kind of an unintended consequence of the advice that we've been giving for almost 25 years now. When good money finds good companies, great things happen in the world at large. When good money finds bad companies, that's not good. And when bad money finds good companies, that's also not so good. So that's sometimes one of the things that I think and reflect on when I think of The Motley Fool. And the last two this week. The first is from Ken Hart. Ken, you are at Foolheart with a P. I do appreciate that. If you're a PG Woodhouse fan, you may know his character Smith, which of course did start with a P as well. So at Foolheart on Twitter. Ken, you ask, is there a full scorecard for reinvestments, re recommendations that we make, um, specifically for rule breakers or for stock advisor? Um, guessing they'd be amazing. Well, thank you for that. Good question, Ken. And we have not actually purposed that in Stock Advisor or Rule Breakers. Whenever we re recommend a stock, um, it just shows up for that month in that row on the scorecard. But internally, we've sometimes looked at this. We haven't really framed this up in a big way to face our members. It's not a consumer facing thing on our site, but we do run data and studies, and we do see that we have a higher than average hit rate with some of our best investments when we re-recommend that stock. So sometimes when you see, earlier I was mentioning some of my favorite and some of our best picks, and the beauty of it is that we didn't just buy Apple once or Amazon once or or, or Google Alphabet once or Salesforce, frankly. We've re-recommended them multiple times, and those show that we have more confidence in them. And I think our members have more confidence when we re-recommend companies. Because after all, part of what you're doing when you buy a stock a second time for you, whoever you are in your portfolio, probably you know it better 
than when you first bought that stock. So not only does your own confidence grow, I think, as you buy a second time into a stock, but your familiarity with that company is higher than if you'd picked a different stock. So we found that in some of our numbers and results. And last one this month comes from Seth Bertram. Seth, you are at Fortunate Sun. That's with zeros, not O's, you elite speaking guy on Twitter. At Fortune Sun, Seth, you said sometimes great companies decline. What criteria should a rule breaker investor use to evaluate when to exit a stock? Well, you know, it's one of those million dollar questions. Um, if I had a great answer, I'd be putting it into play all the time. And if it were a great answer, I would have much better results than I've generated to date. But I still feel pretty good about my results. And that's one way of my saying, and I hope you feel the same way, Seth, that we don't always have to get it right on the exit side. In fact, I've talked about this before on our podcast. I'm always humored by the phrase, sell discipline. Some people will say, what's your sell discipline? And I always love that, because no one ever asks, what's your buy discipline? I think for some reason, in a lot of people's minds, selling is more important than buying. And darn it, you should have a you should have discipline around knowing when to sell. But as I am a motley fool, and often favor the contrary approach, and I like to invert things, I think your buy discipline, whatever that is, is far more important than when to sell. So, the only way you're really going to make a lot of money in the stock market is not by really knowing when to sell. I think it's by knowing what, specifically what to buy. Not even so much when to buy, but what to buy. The only way you're going to have um, 10 baggers is to actually pick the stocks that do go up 10 times in value, whether you manage to hold on to them all the way through or not. So, uh, a quick word then about knowing when to buy, or specifically what to buy. And if I were to express it in simple mathematical terms, what to buy greater than symbol when to sell. But since you asked me the sell question, I'll give a quick thought as we close. For me, there are three common criteria that most frequently cause me eventually to exit a stock. And by the way, when I do exit a stock, usually I've been late anyway and it's a loser. So these are not criteria that help me know ahead of time when something's going to decline. These are more me throwing up my hands going, okay, I'm out. So number one, number one is when I've lost faith in the management of the company. After all, most important to me is who's running these companies? What's the culture of that company? If I feel like something toxic or strange or something different than what I saw or thought would happen initially, like, yes, I did once own shares in Enron at the time. It looked like a great company, and I liked Ken Lay, the CEO. We had him on our radio show back in the day. But if all of a sudden I decide uh, things have changed or I got it wrong, that's number one why I would sell. Number two, uh, when a company is no longer fulfilling the initial expectation I had for it. I try to write down, in fact, every stock pick that I make on Rule Breakers and Stock Advisor, we put our thesis right out there in front of you. So, that gives me a great thing to refer back to later on and say, is that thesis being fulfilled or not? If it's not, that's a great reason to sell. Um, it's easier for me, since I have to publicly write up my stock picks, but for you, if you keep a journal talking about something else we talked about this month on Rule Breaker Investing, then you'll have notes you can refer back to and ask yourself, is this company fulfilling the thesis? And then finally, number three, it's not always about management failing or about the thesis not working out. Sometimes it's that something else came in from nowhere, like that company is all of a sudden being disrupted by something you never thought of before, and that can be a great reason. If you no longer see that company being relevant or as relevant or truly leading the world forward, you see something else, that's a great reason to sell the stock. All right. This was a fun mailbag. I really appreciate all your questions. I hope your summer is proceeding most capital F foolishly. Thank you very much for joining me this week. And we'll start July's Rule Breaker Investing next week. Fool on. 
As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rulebreaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.